chapter two part three of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two part three these sentiments from a person whom the army had been accustomed to love to revere and to obey the solidity of whose judgment and the sincerity of whose zeal for their interests were alike unquestioned could not fail to be irresistible no person was hardy enough to oppose the advice he had given and the general impression was apparent a resolution moved by general knox and seconded by brigadier-general putnam assuring him that the officers reciprocated his affectionate expressions with the greatest sincerity of which the human heart is capable was unanimously voted on the motion of general putnam a committee consisting of general knox colonel brooks and captain howard was then appointed to prepare resolutions on the business before them and to report in half an hour the report of the committee being brought in and considered the following resolutions were passed resolved unanimously that at the commencement of the present war the officers of the american army engaged in the service of their country from the purest love and attachment to the rights and privileges of human nature which motives still exist in the highest degree and that no circumstances of distress or danger shall induce a conduct that may tend to sully the reputation and glory which they have acquired at the price of their blood and eight years faithful services resolved unanimously that the army continue to have an unshaken confidence in the justice of congress and their country and are fully convinced that the representatives of america will not disband or disperse the army until their accounts are liquidated the balances accurately ascertained and adequate funds established for payment and in this arrangement the officers expect the half-pay or a commutation for it shall be efficaciously comprehended resolved unanimously that his excellency the commander-in-chief be requested to write to his excellency the president of congress earnestly entreating the most speedy decision of that honorable body upon the subject of our late address which was forwarded by a committee of the army some of whom are waiting upon congress for the result in the alternative of peace or war this event would be highly satisfactory and would produce immediate tranquillity in the minds of the army and prevent any further machinations of designing men to sow discord between the civil and military powers of the united states on motion resolved unanimously that the officers of the american army view with abhorrence and reject with disdain the infamous propositions contained in a late anonymous address to the officers of the army and resent with indignation the secret attempts of some unknown person to collect the officers together in a manner totally subversive of all discipline and good order resolved unanimously that the thanks of the officers of the army be given to the committee who presented to congress the late address of the army for the wisdom and prudence with which they have conducted that business and that a copy of the proceedings of this day be transmitted by the president to major-general mcdougall and that he be requested to continue his solicitations at congress until the objects of his mission are accomplished the storm which had been raised so suddenly and unexpectedly being thus happily dissipated the commander-in-chief exerted all his influence in support of the application the officers had made to congress the following letter written by him on the occasion will show that he was not impelled to this measure by the engagements he had entered into more strongly than by his feelings the result of the proceedings of the grand convention of the officers which i have the honor of enclosing to your excellency for the inspection of congress will i flatter myself be considered as the last glorious proof of patriotism which could have been given by men who aspired to the distinction of a patriot army and will not only confirm their claim to the justice but will increase their title to the gratitude 
of their country having seen the proceedings on the part of the army terminate with perfect unanimity and in a manner entirely consonant to my wishes being impressed with the liveliest sentiments of affection for those who have so long so patiently and so cheerfully suffered and fought under my direction having from motives of justice duty and gratitude spontaneously offered myself as an advocate for their rights and having been requested to write to your excellency earnestly entreating the most speedy decision of congress upon the subjects of the late address from the army to that honourable body it now only remains for me to perform the task i have assumed and to intercede in their behalf as i now do that the sovereign power will be pleased to verify the prediction i have pronounced of and the confidence the army have reposed in the justice of their country and here i humbly conceive it is altogether unnecessary while i am pleading the cause of an army which have done and suffered more than any other army ever did in the defence of the rights and liberties of human nature to expatiate on their claims to the most ample compensation for their meritorious services because they are perfectly known to the whole world and because although the topics are inexhaustible enough has already been said on the subject to prove these assertions to evince that my sentiments have ever been uniform and to show what my ideas of the rewards in question have always been i appeal to the archives of congress and call on those sacred deposits to witness for me and in order that my observations and arguments in favour of a future adequate provision for the officers of the army may be brought to remembrance again and considered in a single point of view without giving congress the trouble of having recourse to their files i will beg leave to transmit herewith an extract from a representation made by me to a committee of congress so long ago as the twentieth of january seventeen seventy eight and also the transcript of a letter to the president of congress dated near passaic falls october the eleventh seventeen eighty that in the critical and perilous moment when the last mentioned communication was made there was the utmost danger a dissolution of the army would have taken place unless measures similar to those recommended had been adopted will not admit a doubt that the adoption of the resolution granting half pay for life has been attended with all the happy consequences i foretold so far as respected the good of the service that the astonishing contrast between the state of the army at this instant and at the former period determine and that the establishment of funds and security of the payment of all the just demands of the army will be the most certain means of preserving the national faith and future tranquillity of this extensive continent is my decided opinion by the preceding remarks it will readily be imagined that instead of retracting and reprehending from farther experience and reflection the mode of compensation so strenuously urged in the enclosures i am more and more confirmed in the sentiment and if in the wrong suffer me to please myself the grateful delusion for if besides the simple payment of their wages a farther compensation is not due to the sufferings and sacrifices of the officers then have i been mistaken indeed if the whole army have not merited whatever a grateful people can bestow then have i been beguiled by prejudice and built opinion on the basis of error if this country should not in the event perform everything which has been requested in the late memorial to congress then will my belief become vain and the hope that has been excited void of foundation and if as has been suggested for the purpose 
of inflaming their passions the officers of the army are to be the only sufferers by this revolution if retiring from the field they are to grow old in poverty wretchedness and contempt if they are to wade through the vile mire of dependency and owe the miserable remnant of that life to charity which has hitherto been spent in honour then shall i have learned what ingratitude is then shall i have realised a tale which will embitter every moment of my future life but i am under no such apprehensions a country rescued by their arms from impending ruin will never leave unpaid the debt of gratitude should any intemperate and improper warmth have mingled itself among the foregoing observations i must entreat your excellency in congress that it may be attributed to the effusions of an honest zeal in the best of causes and that my peculiar situation may be my apology and i hope i need not on this momentous occasion make any new protestations of disinterestedness having ever renounced for myself the idea of pecuniary reward the consciousness of having attempted faithfully to discharge my duty and the approbation of my country will be a sufficient recompense for my services march twenty four peace concluded these proceedings of the army produced a concurrence of nine states in favour of a resolution commuting the half-pay into a sum in gross equal to five years full pay immediately after the passage of which the fears still entertained in america that the war might continue were dissipated by a letter from the marquis de lafayette announcing a general peace this intelligence though not official was certain and orders were immediately issued recalling all armed vessels cruising under the authority of the united states april nineteen early in april the copy of a declaration published in paris and signed by the american commissioners announcing the exchange of ratifications of the preliminary articles between great britain and france was received and on the nineteenth of that month the cessation of hostilities was proclaimed measures for disbanding the army the attention of congress might now be safely turned to the reduction of the army this in the empty state of the treasury was a critical operation in addition to the anxieties which the officers would naturally feel respecting their provision for the future which of necessity remained unsecured large arrears of pay were due to them the immediate receipt of part of which was required by the most urgent wants to disband an army to which the government was greatly indebted without furnishing the individuals who composed it with the means of conveyance to their respective homes was a perilous measure and congress was unable to advance the pay of a single month although eight millions had been required for the year seventeen eighty two the payments into the public treasury had amounted to only four hundred and twenty thousand and thirty one dollars and twenty nine ninetieths and the foreign loans had not been sufficient to defray expenses it was impossible to avoid at the close of that year the expenditures of the superintendent of the finances had exceeded his receipts four hundred and four thousand seven hundred and thirteen dollars and nine ninetieths and the excess continued to increase rapidly congress urged the states to comply so far with the requisitions as to enable the superintendent of the finances to advance a part of the arrears due to the soldiers but as the foreign danger diminished they became still less attentive to these demands and the financier was under the necessity of making farther anticipations of the revenue 
measures were taken to advance three months pay in his notes but before they could be prepared orders were issued for complying with a resolution of congress for granting unlimited furloughs to the non-commissioned officers and privates who were engaged to serve during the war these orders produced a serious alarm the generals and officers commanding regiments and corps cantoned on the hudson assembled and presented an address to the commander-in-chief in which the most ardent affection to his person and confidence in his attachment to the interests of the army were mingled with expressions of profound duty and respect for the government but they declared that after the late explanation on their claims they had confidently expected that their accounts would be liquidated the balances ascertained and adequate funds for the payment of those balances provided before they should be dispersed or disbanded bound to the army by the strongest ties of affection and gratitude intimately convinced of the justice of their claims and of the patriotic principles by which they were influenced the general was induced by sentiment not less than by prudence to regard this application he returned an answer on the succeeding day in which after declaring that as no man could possibly be better acquainted than himself with the past merits and services of the army so no one could possibly be more strongly impressed with their present ineligible situation feel a keener sensibility of their distresses or more ardently desire to alleviate or remove them he added although the officers of the army very well know my official situation that i am only a servant of the public and that it is not for me to dispense with orders which it is my duty to carry into execution yet as furloughs in all services are considered as a matter of indulgence and not of compulsion as congress i am persuaded entertain the best disposition towards the army and as i apprehend in a very short time the two principal articles of complaint will be removed until the farther pleasure of congress can be known i shall not hesitate to comply with the wishes of the army under these reservations only that officers sufficient to conduct the men who choose to receive furloughs will attend them either on furlough or by detachment this answer satisfied the officers the utmost good temper was manifested and the arrangements for retiring on furlough were made without a murmur in the course of the summer a considerable proportion of the troops enlisted for three years were also permitted to return to their homes and in october a proclamation was issued by congress declaring all those who had engaged for the war to be discharged on the third of december the long room in francis tavern new york city it was here that washington took formal leave of his officers preparatory to resigning his commission as commander-in-chief of the continental army controlling his emotion with difficulty the general arose at the conclusion of a light repast and proposed the following health with a heart full of love and gratitude i must now take my leave of you i most devoutly wish that your latter days may be as prosperous and happy as your former ones have been glorious and honorable the toast was drunk in silence and washington added i cannot come to each of you to take my leave but shall be obliged to you if each will come and take me by the hand mutiny of a part of the pennsylvania line while these excellent dispositions were manifested by the veterans serving under the immediate eye of their patriot chief the government was exposed to insult and outrage from the mutinous spirit of a small party of new levies about eighty men of this description belonging to pennsylvania were stationed at lancaster revolting against the authority of their officers they marched in a body to philadelphia with the avowed purpose of obtaining redress of their grievances from the executive council of the state 
the march of these insolent mutineers was not obstructed and after arriving in philadelphia their numbers were augmented by the junction of some troops quartered in the barracks they then marched in military parade with fixed bayonets to the state house in which congress and the executive council of the state were sitting and after placing sentinels at the doors sent in a written message threatening the executive of the state with the vengeance of an enraged soldiery if their demands were not gratified in twenty minutes although these threats were not directed particularly against congress the government of the union was grossly insulted and those who administered it were blockaded for several hours by licentious soldiers after remaining in this situation about three hours the members separated having agreed to reassemble at princeton on receiving information of this outrage the commander-in-chief detached fifteen hundred men under the command of major-general howe to suppress the mutiny his indignation at this insult to the civil authority and his mortification at this misconduct of any portion of the american troops were strongly marked in his letter to the president of congress while said he i suffer the most poignant distress in observing that a handful of men contemptible in numbers and equally so in point of service if the veteran troops from the southward have not been seduced by their example and who are not worthy to be called soldiers should disgrace themselves in their country as the pennsylvania mutineers have done by insulting the sovereign authority of the united states and that of their own i feel an inexpressible satisfaction that even this behaviour cannot stain the name of the american soldiery it cannot be imputed to or reflect dishonour on the army at large but on the contrary it will by the striking contrast it exhibits hold up to public view the other troops in the most advantageous point of light upon taking all the circumstances into consideration i cannot sufficiently express my surprise and indignation at the arrogance the folly and the wickedness of the mutineers nor can i sufficiently admire the fidelity the bravery and patriotism which must forever signalize the unsullied character of the other corps of our army for when we consider that these pennsylvania levies who have now mutinied are recruits and soldiers of a day who have not borne the heat and burden of the war and who can have in reality very few hardships to complain of and when we at the same time recollect that those soldiers who have lately been furloughed from this army are the veterans who have patiently endured hunger nakedness and cold who have suffered and bled without a murmur and who with perfect good order have retired to their homes without a settlement of their accounts or a farthing of money in their pockets we shall be as much astonished at the virtues of the latter as we are struck with horror and detestation at the proceedings of the former and every candid mind without indulging ill-grounded prejudices will undoubtedly make the proper discrimination before the detachment from the army could reach philadelphia the disturbances were in a great degree quieted without bloodshed but general howe was ordered by congress to continue his march into pennsylvania in order that immediate measures might be taken to confine and bring to trial all such persons belonging to the army as have been principally active in the late mutiny to disarm the remainder and to examine fully into all the circumstances relating thereto the interval between the treaty with great britain and his retiring into private life was devoted by the commander-in-chief to objects of permanent utility the independence of his country being established he looked forward with anxiety to his future destinies these might greatly depend on the systems to be adopted on the return of peace and to those systems much of his attention was directed 
the future peace establishment of the united states was one of the many interesting subjects which claimed the consideration of congress as the experience of general washington would certainly enable him to suggest many useful ideas on this important point his opinions respecting it were requested by the committee to whom it was referred his letter on this occasion which was deposited it is presumed in the archives of state will long deserve the attention of those to whom the interests of the united states may be confided his strongest hopes of securing the future tranquillity dignity and respectability of his country were placed on a well-regulated and well-disciplined militia and his sentiments on this subject are entitled to the more regard as a long course of severe experience had enabled him to mark the total incompetency of the existing system to the great purposes of national defense evacuation of new york at length the british troops evacuated new york and a detachment from the american army took possession of that town guards being posted for the security of the citizens general washington accompanied by governor clinton and attended by many civil and military officers and a large number of respectable inhabitants on horseback made his public entry into the city where he was received with every mark of respect and attention his military course was now on the point of terminating and he was about to bid adieu to his comrades-in-arms this affecting interview took place on the fourth of december at noon the principal officers of the army assembled at francis tavern soon after which their beloved commander entered the room his emotions were too strong to be concealed filling a glass he turned to them and said with a heart full of love and gratitude i now take leave of you i most devoutly wish that your latter days may be as prosperous and happy as your former ones have been glorious and honourable having drunk he added i cannot come to each of you to take my leave but shall be obliged if each of you will come and take me by the hand general knox being nearest turned to him washington incapable of utterance grasped his hand and embraced him in the same affectionate manner he took leave of each succeeding officer the tear of manly sensibility was in every eye and not a word was articulated to interrupt the dignified silence and the tenderness of the scene leaving the room he passed through the corps of light infantry and walked to whitehall where a barge waited to convey him to powell's hook the whole company followed in mute and solemn procession with dejected countenances testifying feelings of delicious melancholy which no language can describe having entered the barge he turned to the company and waving his hat bid them a silent adieu they paid him the same affectionate compliment and after the barge had left them returned in the same solemn manner to the place where they had assembled congress was then in session at annapolis in maryland to which place general washington repaired for the purpose of resigning into their hands the authority with which they had invested him he arrived on the nineteenth of december the next day he informed that body of his intention to ask leave to resign the commission he had the honor of holding in their service and requested to know whether it would be their pleasure that he should offer his resignation in writing or at an audience to give the more dignity to the act they determined that it should be offered at a public audience on the following tuesday at twelve general washington resigns his commission and retires to mount vernon when the hour arrived for performing a ceremony so well calculated to recall the various interesting scenes which have passed since the commission now to be returned was granted the gallery was crowded with spectators and several persons of distinction were admitted on the floor of congress the members remained seated and covered the spectators were standing and uncovered the general was introduced by the secretary and conducted to a chair 
after a short pause the president informed him that the united states in congress assembled were prepared to receive his communications with native dignity improved by the solemnity of the occasion the general rose and delivered the following address mr president the great events on which my resignation depended having at length taken place i have now the honor of offering my sincere congratulations to congress and of presenting myself before them to surrender into their hands the trust committed to me and to claim the indulgence of retiring from the service of my country happy in the confirmation of our independence and sovereignty and pleased with the opportunity afforded the united states of becoming a respectable nation i resign with satisfaction the appointment i accepted with diffidence a diffidence in my abilities to accomplish so arduous a task which however was superseded by a confidence in the rectitude of our cause the support of the supreme power of the union and the patronage of heaven the successful termination of the war has verified the most sanguine expectations and my gratitude for the interposition of providence and the assistance i have received from my countrymen increases with every review of the momentous contest while i repeat my obligations to the army in general i should do injustice to my own feelings not to acknowledge in this place the peculiar services and distinguished merits of the gentlemen who have been attached to my person during the war it was impossible the choice of confidential officers to compose my family should have been more fortunate permit me sir to recommend in particular those who have continued in the service to the present moment as worthy of the favourable notice and patronage of congress i consider it as an indispensable duty to close this last act of my official life by commending the interests of our dearest country to the protection of almighty god and those who have the superintendence of them to his holy keeping having now finished the work assigned me i retire from the great theatre of action and bidding an affectionate farewell to this august body under whose orders i have so long acted i here offer my commission and take my leave of all the employments of public life after advancing to the chair and delivering his commission to the president he returned to his place and receiving standing the following answer of congress which was delivered by the president sir the united states in congress assembled received with emotions too affecting for utterance the solemn resignation of the authorities under which you have led their troops with success through a perilous and a doubtful war called upon by your country to defend its invaded rights you accepted the sacred charge before it had formed alliances and whilst it was without funds or a government to support you you have conducted the great military contest with wisdom and fortitude invariably regarding the rights of the civil power through all disasters and changes you have by the love and confidence of your fellow-citizens enabled them to display their martial genius and transmit their fame to posterity you have persevered until these united states aided by a magnanimous king and nation have been enabled under a just providence to close the war in freedom safety and independence on which happy event we sincerely join you in congratulations having defended the standard of liberty in this new world having taught a lesson useful to those who inflict and to those who feel oppression you retire from the great theatre of action with the blessings of your fellow-citizens but the glory of your virtues will not terminate with your military command it will continue to animate remotest ages we feel with you our obligations to the army in general and will particularly charge ourselves with the interests of those confidential officers who have attended your person to this affecting moment we join you in commending the interests of our dearest country to the protection of almighty god beseeching him to dispose the hearts and minds of its citizens to improve the opportunity afforded them of becoming a happy and respectable nation 
and for you we address to him our earnest prayers that a life so beloved may be fostered with all his care that your days may be as happy as they have been illustrious and that he will finally give you that reward which this world cannot give this scene being closed a scene rendered peculiarly interesting by the personages who appeared in it by the great events it recalled to the memory and by the singularity of the circumstances under which it was displayed the american chief withdrew from the hall of congress leaving the silent and admiring spectators deeply impressed with those sentiments which its solemnity and dignity were calculated to inspire divested of his military character general washington retired to mount vernon followed by the enthusiastic love esteem and admiration of his countrymen relieved from the agitations of a doubtful contest and from the toils of an exalted station he returned with increased delight to the duties and the enjoyments of a private citizen he indulged the hope that in the shade of retirement under the protection of a free government and the benignant influence of mild and equal laws he might taste that felicity which is the reward of a mind at peace with itself and conscious of its own purity End of chapter two part three